The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. Now's the time to say goodbye to all my Negro friends. What's up, people? T. Rich bringing in the uh, year in rewind. Rewind! <laughs> burr, 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 burr. Shit, you might have missed. Um, joining me, coming to me live from somewhere. K. Savage. Happy New Year. Happy end of your year. Coming to you from this side of the bar. That's double. Coming to you from the other side of the bar. Davinci Parks, a.k.a. Lee Bennett III. A.k.a. you're going to have a hell of a night. Um, (laughs) Not in a good way. (laughs) Late December. So we're just going to do a quick kind of re-wrap, rewind, review, re-hash, hash, re-re. Oh, she was very influential. Um, in 2018. Okay. So I guess I can, I'll start, try to do something happy because I just went through tragedy. Um, yeah, so like the th- one of the standouts for me um, was Stacey Abrams. Okay. Mm. I thought it was, I mean, she was not officially, actually, or whatever they want to call it, um, elected to be the governor of Georgia, but she ran a hell of a race. Yeah. And um, she did not, you know, do that quick concession of like, oh, God, you know, we don't have enough votes. We're just going to, we're going to slink away quietly into the night. She's like, nah, what you going to do is you're going to count all these motherfucking votes. Absolutely every single one of them. Which they didn't. <clears throat> they found 6,000 more just chilling. Right. Um, but the fact that, I mean, I, I think she definitely made a um, a huge wave she in made a 2018. Crack in the glass and I'm very excited to see where she goes from here because I don't think that this was going to be the last thing we've heard of Stacey Abrams. I would agree. I think Andrew Gillum also on that same line. I think he also, they both ran races that in in states that were, you know, tended to favor, you know, red uh, as their color. And, you know, they ran commendable races and I think they both did an an excellent job in terms of making progress that no other person of color made in a gubernatorial race up to that point in those states. So hats off to both of them. I thought they both did a wonderful job. Uh, Stacey Abrams, yeah, definitely killed it, though. So what was one of the influential stories for you of 2018? (sighs) Um, I've been actually, like, like trying to rack my brain about that. There are a couple things. I think... um, um, impact in terms of just consumerism. I think there's been um, a bit of a shift that is noticeable, and I think it's welcome and long overdue. So something from as simple as the billion-dollar bonanza of Black Panther uh, to uh, Tristan Walker 
Um, <laughs> my bad, dude. I saw your thunder. And to Tristan Walker, you know, selling Bevel to I think Procter and Gamble mm-hmm. uh, for an undisclosed <laughs> amount. What I heard was they offered him five hundred million the first go round. So I'm pretty sure it's like, yo, double that up, baby. Let's 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 talk some numbers. But I think the fact that you know people are putting themselves in positions to be uh, players in a room. And they're also not only putting themselves in positions to be players in the room themselves, they're also opening up the door for other people to do the same. So Michael B. Jordan was Killmonger um, in Black Panther, but Michael B. Jordan also, you know, uh, produced his own film on HBO. For, um, Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um, I, I think um, this is one of those things. And he also starred in Creed, which actually like hit really good box office numbers Creed. again for the second one. So. Yeah, so Creed too. My bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, I I think uh, consumerism is is showing that you can have people of color, and this has also been the year um, <clears throat> continuing from last year where uh, female leads in general um, have been getting more spotlight, more shine, and been getting more support. It's been showing that when they have shows that have female leads, it gets um, a lot of a lot of support also. So I think that's that's super dope as well, and something that we can take notes from if we we choose to. I was. I'm hesitant to say something because I don't want to steal your your shot. I mean, that is the price of silence. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the kind of. The more I'm silent, the bigger risk I run that someone's going to say something. I didn't go in depth into it, so you can speak to why it's still impactful for you, though. At least because you know, so it's like you can still talk about it. I just talk. I've made my peace. That is the price of silence. Okay. So what I was going to say, like to kind of follow up on that, um, Issa Rae inked a deal with was it Paramount. She had to deal with with somebody to um, who was it? Movies, I think so. I can't remember because I know Kenya Barris got something with Netflix popping. Natasha um, Rothwell got a, a deal with HBO. Kenya Barris, <clears throat> um, Shonda Rhimes got something with Netflix. I think she's Shonda Rhimes always got something. I mean, but with Netflix though, else. she's like you know, she's like you know. So between that, Kenya Barris with Blackish, whatever he's got stuff, whatever. Um, there there are people who are who are getting there and. The person who did um the um what's that weird show that we watched, um, random acts from random acts of flyness. Yeah, so there there are people who are getting a chance to add their voice to, you know, the tapestry, man, and you know add their their imagery to the tapestry. I think that's dope. Um, like everything ain't gonna be for everybody, but shit. Um, what did we watched just recently, um, blind spotting. That was that was a a, mm-hmm. a worthwhile movie that we didn't talk about. But I thought, man, it, it spoke very well to gentrification. It spoke well to just like, you know, just like what you see and don't see, what's right in front of you. I thought it was a very well done movie. And I also saw a movie recently called Tyrell. Uh, Interesting. That shit made me uncomfortable. I was not sure where that was going. It made me uncomfortable. Like, I, I kind of felt like, like from the onset, like, okay, I see what this is. And I've, I've been there. And I think it's kind of interesting because I think it kind of shows like how people can feel when they're the other person in the room mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because it's like when if there's a bunch of black people in the room i'm pretty sure it's like you just one black person unless it's like you know somebody who's just used to being around black people mm-hmm. they're gonna feel like like out of their out of the depth and you know it's just like people can be oblivious to it so i thought it's kind of like i thought it was i thought it was also it made me uncomfortable i was i was ready for the movie to be over the entire time i watched the movie but it was still a worthwhile watch and I thought the writing was very simple but effective. <clears throat> so, okay, Savage. Well, I think that um, 
for what you said, I didn't pick stories because the year's been too long, but I just picked mm-hmm. topics. So for me, it was kind of like democracy mm-hmm. is on life support, mm-hmm. um, maybe even dying. And I think that kind of Stacey Abrams speaks <laughs> to that. Because, um, um, so Stacey Abrams should have won, um, you know, because the reality is, you know, she probably has the numbers. A, they didn't count all the votes. B, the whole situation with the uh, with the election official slash uh, incoming governor, that whole situation was shady. And then you've got, you know, like uh, Wisconsin, Scott Walker signed the lame duck bill mm-hmm. to try and make it so that the incoming governor won't have any, the incoming Democratic governor won't have any power to basically be governor. So, I mean, and then Michigan, uh, I think, tried the same thing, but it didn't pass. But this is a piggyback or, or this is a, 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 a repeat of what they did. Didn't they do this down south somewhere? Um, they did it in North Carolina, or at least they tried to do it in North Carolina. Right. And then they got <clears> sued, too, right? In the this is around the, the bathroom bill. That's around the time they were doing the bathroom bill and all that stuff, right? And trying to limit the power yeah. of the incoming government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, like, you know, democracy on a lot of levels, you know, is kind of sort of die. I mean, even the fact that, you know, Democratic candidates, you know, won their elections by, you know, votes you know, but still lost based on gerrymandering. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, and then, you know, the world is on fire because democracy is just kind of sort of on life support slash trying to die everywhere. Um, So, yeah. And then to what Lee was saying, you know, um, people of color really had a good year this year. You know, um, Crazy Rich Asians, you know, did really well. so, yeah, we're, we're, we're having a good year, people of color. But um, I feel like we can't confuse being represented as consumers in a market. You know, we, we can't confuse that with, you know, real justice. Oh, not at all. I mean, I, I think part of part of what help, helps to shift the landscape is you have to be in, a, in positions where you can be seen. I was listening to... um. Uh, the Karen Hunter show today, and there was there was a caller who I missed because I was I had I hadn't gotten in the car yet. It was a guy who was saying he looks at commercials, he doesn't see any real representation. And there was a woman who got in after came in after, which I did hear, and she said when she saw commercials, she saw a lot of black men with white women and mixed kids, and she said like she feels like a lot of like the narrative is being changed. And you got stuff like the Prada thing that we talked um in the in the in the last episode of the year, where you know people. Are are making images that are clearly racially insensitive and have history, but have no situational awareness, supposedly. So I feel like when you have opportunities to make moves, where like, okay, your argument before was that like if we make this movie with all these black people in it, and we we get you know all these black people behind the camera, or whatever, that it's not going to sell. Well, that argument's been taken away from you. Several mm-hmm. several instances at this point, so I think that's just some of the things that help shift the conversation and shift the landscape because it's been proven. You're, 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 what you what you've been saying is not accurate. We knew it, but now we have like empirical data, as Slim might say, to uh, you know, to, to to point out that it's a specious argument. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, really, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, no. Hey man, hey look. Let it be said, I love every single person on this podcast. I'm so yeah, my personal cast. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, look, man. Now, now I gotta 
See, it's a whole other thing I got to do for the you next. Said year. a perspicacity. I'm losing yeah, it. I'm yeah. losing mm-hmm. So I mean, I just I, I I agree. I don't I don't think that that counts for justice. But I no. think the mm-hmm. idea that you can be in a room and you can start shifting conversations and people can now say, like a Michael B. Jordan can now go into a contract to say, I have an inclusion rider. An inclusion rider, for those who do not know, simply states that a certain percentage of people that are working on a movie production have to be people of color or have to be people outside of the common thread of what you hire. So I think that's dope. Um, And a lot of people don't have those. And the first time I heard of inclusion rider, it was a white person who said it, a white woman who said it. Didn't know about it. But- I found out about it afterwards. And Francis. When you, huh? Francis. Francis McDormand. Okay. There you go. So I, I think like things like that help shift the things because our a lot of our perception is shifted and affected by what we see and what we hear through the media and what we consume. So I wasn't talking strictly of financial, like, you know, what we dole out in dollars. We consume things when we read things on the internet, when we pick up a book and put it in our hand for those who still do that. Um, from when we listen to music, all that stuff is is consumption. It's all a part of our diet. So when we have an opportunity to actually chef things up at the table and put something worthwhile that's substantive and can feed people, I think that's dope. That's how you start changing shit, like mm-hmm. we're doing here on Flash Black. Insertion commercial. Slim. <laughs> Mint slim. <laughs> Y'all want to listen to the last podcast? If you were listening to the last podcast, you know, <laughs> that if you want to know true satisfaction, <laughs> open up and pop a mint slim into your mouth. Mint slim. It's a naughty snack. Um, yeah. It's your gift from your local Stop shop that sells coffee. I wasn't, I was, <laughs> I wasn't going to give them free publicity, but it's been said now. Yeah. You get from places that sells coffee a lot. Um, <laughs> for, for me, it's just, I, I think. What I think about is like more themes of the year, right? I think the fact that appropriation is a regular word that you hear in discussion now, like the theme of appropriation that that seemed to that seemed to come to the forefront for me in 2018. Just hearing the word, whether it's you know. Whether you look at whatever your perspective is on the on the Me Too Times Up movement, you know, and, um, you know, women feeling empowered to speak out against assault. Um, but then what it would it revealed about divisions amongst women, amongst the demo, different demographics of women mm-hmm. um, in that discussion. You know, um, about feminism and, you know, womanism and, um, you know, the the fact that we talk about appropriation from the perspective of, of movies and music. And um, I think that's what it's meant for me. And in, the, and in narrative, just the word narrative, uh, more people being aware of the fact that it's. It's how. The story is represented to you. You know, you have facts and you have how those facts are told. Um, but then you have people completely willing to omit and change facts because they want to shape the narrative a certain way. Um, and I think that's really been big for 2018 from a cultural perspective 
it was really big for me. Feel however you feel about the movie and whether or not the movie was better than the book. I thought the book was insane, was much, much better than mm-hmm. the movie, but I thought the movie was still good. But the fact that the hate you give was made, the fact that that movie was made, I, I mean, I think that was significant for me. What they were talking about and what they were representing, because understanding that when you craft a piece of literature, one audience is going to consume that. But when you make a film, potentially a different audience is going to consume that. Everybody doesn't read. Um, everybody doesn't watch movies. Um, so I think the theme of that would be representation, I think, is what Lee would probably uh, say. Um, that would be the theme. Representation. Um, that word is too high for my so, vocabulary. So, yeah, I think th- those are, those are the things comments you <laughs> Appropriation, narrative, representation. I feel like we've hit a point where, like, you know, the point's been made. You obviously don't want to confuse the fact that you are enjoying more representation with the fact that you believe that you're achieving justice because all you got to do is just run down a list of names of black men and women that have been killed by police officers and you know look at the list of i think one name of a cop that has been convicted for doing it um justice is still very very far away but the way you get to it um the slow work of getting there is, you know, making sure we go on the offensive about shaping narrative, Um, understanding that there are real facts, there are real metrics, there are true stories, and we got to tell them. And I think in 2018, more of those stories have been told, and it's not been pretty. (laughs) It's not been Mm -hmm. It's been exhausting. Fun. That's what it's been, yeah. And seeing the negative impacts of narrative, um, when you look at this clown continuing to run amok <laughs> and and expose, I'm not even going to say make America a laughing stock, expose the laughing stock that America has been, mm-hmm. um, you know, the narrative will be the chief one for me, but appropriation and representation, I think, are right there with it. I think they all work together. No, I was just going to kind of comment on the the point you made about the stories being told, Mm -hmm. because another thing that I think was um, really important that happened, not only with um, Gabrielle Union Mm -hmm. uh, talking openly about her fertility struggles and um, going through and, you know, doing surrogacy and... Mm -hmm. You know, having their their daughter now, Kavia James, but also in her book, Michelle Obama talked about fertility struggles and having to go through IVF cycles to have um, Malia and Sasha. And so I feel like historically, fertility struggles have been a thing that have been discussed, but they have not often been discussed by, by women of color. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and Dwayne Wade did a, a sit down with Oprah and... You know, they were just talking about some of the, um, well, she was more so talking about some of the terminology that is thrown on women, black women who aren't, quote unquote, able to produce. You're barren and, you know, there's this expectation probably dating back to slavery that, you know, you're supposed to be able to produce and pop out babies. And when you don't, like what that 
means or what that what society think that means about you as a woman and then how you internalize these thoughts about what that means about you as a woman and how it just alters your sense of self and just the the fact that they're starting to have these conversations out in the open more and it's not something that's just kind of discussed with like, you know, your good girlfriend or your husband or whoever and just being able to say like, yeah, you know, this this is real shit that women of color go through. It's not just something that, you know, white women go through or yeah, mm-hmm. white women. So yeah, I just wanted to yeah, um, no, I agree. From there. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was like, because she just said something that triggered to my thought. But like, you know, ha- having again talking about like you know being in spaces or whatever. If you're not if you're not able to get into space, um, uh, on your circumstances or, or on your terms, then you can do something like what Jada Pinkett Smith is doing by doing the Red Table Talks, mm-hmm. and you know, and creating a medium where people are now people are like really checking for that, and people talk about it. On a regular basis, and she's creating her own platform, and that those are the type of things that I think also help to get things out there. Like you can't deny when you're like this thing's getting out there how important it is. So please, yeah. please go on. What you were saying? I, I think in tandem with that, understanding just the whole phenomenon of people not people not presenting the cleanest version of their lives, right? Because you, a lot of people experience pain and struggle and there's like effed up relationships and there's, you know, there's people lying and there's people cheating and there's people, you know, there's abuse and, you know, there's terrible things happening in people's workplaces and all this terrible stuff is happening. But, you know, everybody tries to present the only the, the best part of their lives Understanding that you don't want to create toxic environments and toxic situations that are bad for your wellness. Um, I, I totally understand that, but you could also create a situation where everybody's walking around feeling like they're alone because people are only showing the best parts of their mm-hmm. experience. And that's what mm-hmm. that's what Facebook yeah. is. And exactly. So, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, you know, people are, I get a lot of comments about like how people look at my relationship and how wonderful it is. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to tell you. You know, every relationship has struggles, all of them, you mm-hmm. know, and just because I'm, I'm I'm not public about what my struggles are, that doesn't mean they don't exist. And that doesn't mean every single relationship does not have those struggles. So mm-hmm. I think it's just helpful to like, you know, do something like what Michelle Obama did, um, you know, in, in the classy fashion that, you know, that we would expect from her to do it, to tell her truth um, and tell about her journey. Um, in a way that uh, exposes it to people who might look at her and before all they saw was black excellence that's unattainable. But now they see mm-hmm. the struggle and the struggle that they can identify with mm-hmm. that makes her that humanizes her, you know, to people who just saw her as, you know, achievements yeah. you know, mm-hmm. before that. Mm-hmm. And I would I would say, like, you know, going back to the Gabrielle Union thing, I think a lot of people. If you're not familiar and you don't know that, for example, Gabrielle Union, I knew this before her book came out, reads like three newspapers a day because she just likes to be informed. You know, mm-hmm. if you've never like heard her in conversations, understand she's got a really sharp mind on her, yeah, whatever. You might be just like, oh, she's just a really pretty woman. And that really pretty woman had what, like nine miscarriages? Like mm-hmm. with, with mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade? That's like, you know, that's that could be hard on anybody. Not even just nine miscarriages, nine IVF cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, even if you're just talking, yeah. right, even if you're just talking about miscarriages, and I by no means 
like minimizing a miscarriage. But right. when you think about like IVF cycles and all of the it's a lot that goes into work it. that goes into it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was just so focused on this. And, you know, there she said they were talking to another fertility specialist. He was like, oh, well, there's a surgery. And Dwayne said, that's when I stepped in and said, no, we're not doing this. You're pushing yourself to a point that's dangerous mm-hmm. to mm. like meet this goal. And no, we, we can't do your partner. This. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, we don't just not talk about fertility, but we don't really actually talk about how fertility treatments are kind of like snake class oil. Based, you know what though. I'm saying? Like, well, it's class based, but it but it's also like, you know, it's 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 something like a less than 50 percent success rate. You know what I'm saying? And like people take mortgages out. Regular everyday people mm-hmm. take mortgages out on their house. They borrow against their retirement. Their parents give them money. They b- take mortgages out on their house. They dip into their retirement. I mean, like it is a multi-billion dollar industry that is basically, you know, like probably less of a payout, you know, dollar for dollar than if you spent it all at a casino. And I just feel like you know, the really fucked up part of that is that people are sold fertility treatments as if you're going to get your baby. And it's like most people don't. And it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And we should be really thinking about, you know, why that is, you know, because, you know, you know, and 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 really like question that, you know, just just from an ethical standpoint, you know. Fuck how, you know, women feel about, you know, themselves and their femininity and all of that. Just from like a real medical standpoint, we really need to be asking, how is it that people go into this? And I don't think that people to pursue nine cycles, whether you have the money or not, somebody is not being really honest with you about what your real chances are and what's going on. And I think that you know, there's a there, there's something unethical about that, that to me, you know, on, on some levels equates to malpractice. It's kind of like, you know, when people get plastic surgery and they totally mutilate themselves. And it's like at some point you should have walked into any surgeon's office and they would have been like, no, first do no harm. I cannot help you. You know, because like this, this what, what you have going on at this point is clearly an emotional thing and not, you know, a physical thing. And I, you know, am actually teetering on doing you harm at this point. And I don't, I don't really think we talk about a lot of the stuff that is, you know, that, that medicine does that's legal, but it's not necessarily ethical. So to speak to that, and this is, this is not necessarily in the same vein, but I thought it just, it just struck something because you're talking about like concepts of self beauty and, and, and things of that nature. I was listening um, to the Russ Parr show um, briefly this morning, and apparently there was a woman who uh, died in New York after getting uh, butt injections. Butt injections. I thought you were talking about the lady who died from the soy sauce enema. No, I didn't hear about that. Whoa, that sounds terrible. But uh, uh, I don't. I don't even. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't put soy sauce up your butt. Okay. Um, but there's a woman who um, got um, butt injections and she went to an apartment building where there was no signage and got the procedure done. And there's like, mm. there's a question that we need to start because even if you like, well, the point that Russ Power was making is like, like even um, uh, Donda West, who's Kanye West's mother, um, she was in the care of an actual medical professional and things mm. still went sideways. 
So I think the 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 point that he was trying to make, which is a good one, is like we have to really start examining, you know, what it is that makes us want to go to these limps that we will put ourselves in physical harm and danger to get this thing that we feel is going to make us feel or be better. Um, and he was saying, I don't think it would actually work, but I'm not mad at him making the suggestion that you should get a psychological evaluation before you get like elective plastic surgery. Like, because like, there's still a danger when you get anesthesia. Things can go wrong, um, like before or after. But like, I was just saying, if people don't get the the thing they want, that would just mean more people are gonna go to like apartment buildings without proper signage and get like shady, like backroom. It's like abortions. Like, like you make that shit illegal, people are gonna still go get abortions. So I, I I don't necessarily think that was gonna be the way to do it. But I understand his his sentiment and his intent when he said it. I think there are some plastic surgeons who, you know, will require you to get some kind of like, you know, they have a therapist on hand that, you know, counsels you to see whether or not you are a good candidate for elective plastic surgery, because I think people are are aware of the fact that it can be an addiction and you don't necessarily want to be the person that sets it off. Mm. Um, You know, you. There's there's a point about that was kind of like about, you know, socialization, why people are conditioned to think that the only way to to be happy, right, is to do these things or to gain these things or have these things. But I think in 2018, like a another category of that is like just the focus on like self-care and mental health awareness I feel mm. like that's just become a more normalized part of conversation in 2018. I've heard that more uh, in 2018 than I've ever heard it before. And I mean, I've even heard, I mean, when you hear rappers, when you hear hip hop talking about self-care, like Mac, Fat, Fat Joe, yeah. Fat Joe was saying that he got, he was getting, he got therapy. Mac Miller, you know, had a song called self-care, you know, like. But Royce the Five Nine talks openly mm. about the fact that you know he's a recovering alcoholic and he gets regular therapy because that helps him uh, cope. It helps him understand more about himself. So if hip hop is talking about self care, self care has made some major uh, strides. Hip hop tends uh, to talk about what's going on in the culture, though. Yeah, so so. It's, it was it, that's been it's been gratifying to see because I think. You know, we've normalized how, and people still don't do it, but we've normalized how you're supposed to get like regular physical checkups for your body. But we, you know, it's been a long time coming to normalize. Uh, and I think we're just at the beginning of it. We still got a long way to go, obviously. Mm. But the beginning of the process of normalizing uh, people getting checkups for their, their mind and their emotions and, you know, all of those things, because that impacts socialization. It impacts how. Uh, it also impacts it, your body. Yeah. And it, 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 <laughs> Ironically. It yeah. impacts how, like, you received things when when there are stories and there are narratives when there are things represented to you and there is conditioning and socialization you know how emotionally and mentally resilient can you be in the face of all the stimuli that comes at you you know if you're not caring for yourself if you haven't been taught how to do that or even taught that it is a thing that should be done that it's important to do um so I think that's been big and it's even I will say that hearing it more frequently uh, has made me feel more comfortable talking to other people about it 
Um, so I, that's been a personal impact that it's had on me. I had to use that like over Thanksgiving break. I had to talk to somebody very close to me that I love very much mm. about the fact that I like, yo, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do some things for some self care, man. Like, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but here's here's something that I really wanted to point out, and I want to uh, specifically thank um, T. Rich and K. Savage um, because having uh, representation from black women on the show, I think is definitely necessary. And it's something that I wanted from the outset. But um, having known both Takia and and Christy T. Rich for a very long time and K Savage for a very long time or whatever, but having these conversations on a regular basis or whatever has helped me to understand and look at things differently, which I appreciate. I like to be challenged to find ways to be better. And I feel like um, one of the things that we uh, did, just, well, one of the many things we discussed uh, uh, from the onset, uh, T. Rich has been very vocal about uh, what's been happening to in the LGBTQIA community in terms of like the injustices that happened there, trans um, women being uh, assaulted at a disproportionate amount of numbers, uh, the assault of gay couples and things that happen like that, and just the fuck shit that happens with black women and like Latina women in terms of shit that they deal with. Um, these are things that we can be aware of, but I think when we hear, uh, people who are directly impacted and, uh, relate to it, whatever, it helps, um, solidify that understanding. So, um, uh, I appreciate the fact that, uh, that, that you two have been on the show and that you have bring these, been bringing these issues consistently. Cause so I think it helps, uh, not just me, I think it helps our listeners. It helps, uh, give um, a, a more balanced perspective on how things are and not how we, you know, would like them to be. So I thank both of y'all for that. So that for me on top of not 2018 has been Pete Davidson. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Not that weird. Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> but 2018, I'm not, I'm not sad to see 2018 go. It's been, a, it's been, a, it's been an, an interesting year. I've learned a lot of things, but uh, 2018 could kick rocks. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just waiting for 2020. Are you waiting for Edda to come back? Huh? I just I need this 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 election this re-election just uh, to be over with. You know what I'm saying? Cuz you know the question is do we do we get 4 years of more in absolute insanity or do we get 4 years of, you know, fuck shit but you know at least shit is running smoothly. <laughs> I think it really depends on um how many people are still left alive after their insurance has been canceled and they've gone back to doing self-surgery in their garage. So <laughs> I think that's a little bit of it. Cause they're Oh, right. Cause we missed it in the year in, but you know, they rolled Obamacare the is about to have to fight for its life, you know, in the Supreme court. So this should be interesting. It should. Yeah. I, I think I think that could probably be challenged at the federal level or like the politicians who just refix the, the loophole. But, you know, uh, I, I, that's, that's not going to be something that's going to happen fast because it took a lot to wind Obamacare up and things they still haven't been able to touch on the Republican side. So it, like to undo the amount of stuff that they had to do to get Obamacare up and running. And it wasn't even fully up and running before they started dismantling it. Um, I'm not I'm not overly concerned at this point. But we know that this is something they've been working towards. That's also going to be interesting to see going forward. You know, this, this, eventually, this, uh, 
this orange ass clown is is not going to be in the White House anymore. But he appointed a lot of judges at a lot of different levels of the judiciary mm-hmm. system that have to die um, first. Yeah, and they are going to be judges for a long time. Uh, and so items like this, you know, having a judge rule that uh, Obamacare is unconstitutional, the entire tax law, the entire health care law is unconstitutional because of one specific tax provision of it that doesn't even impact every aspect of the law. Right. Um, that's just that's an example of the type of foolishness we will may continue to see coming out of the judiciary for years to come. So I think it's big and I'm still waiting to see what the big outcome is going to be um, for Kavanaugh being uh, put into the Supreme Court. I mean, because there's going to be the, the time is going to come. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a case. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be, you know, he's going to show himself and he's going to he's going to cry. He's going to talk about <laughs> drinking beer, PJ and, and Squee. <laughs> <laughs> Hansy Hank and Donkey Dong Duck, Donkey Dick Doug. Wow, he's gonna talk about all. He's gonna cry and he's gonna look at his father's calendars <laughs> from the previous year because that's really his father had just like started doing the calendars like the year before. So so glad I missed all that. I don't understand why you would be crying about your father showing and talking about what he did last year. Like I, I don't. And, and your father's still alive, and he was actually sitting behind you doing the whole conversation. I don't. Yeah, the, the foolishness, the foolishness, the normalization of foolishness. You know, is like, and, or and I go back and forth about this. Is it the normalization of foolishness, or is it just you know additional exposure of the foolishness that was always there? I have thought about this and I think what I have figured out is that the exposure normalizes it and it's like, oh my God, like we're trying to tell you that this isn't normal and you're so used to seeing it now that you're just like, oh, okay, it's another day. And it's like, no. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's it because think about like when, right, when, when we first started seeing, you know, people getting murdered on social media, cops killing People, what the fuck are you doing? I'm sorry. Like, you've squatted, you've walked away and done some neck exercises. You're clean. Like, what the fuck is happening over there? My back locked up on me. And it's, I'm, I'm like, I'm, that's why I walked away. My back is like really like. The only way you can fix it is if you clean up the spill pipe. Well, no, it was just like, it's just, I had to like do something. I'm sorry. Is it your neck and your back? No, it's it's, it's just my back. It's just my back. Um, But back to this uh, police. Uh, Um, We're going to add, should we keep that in or? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Keep it in. Like, uh, keep it, keep it in. Like mint slims, uh. <laughs> so naughty. So, like when you first started seeing things like people being killed by the police, which is still problematic, or you start seeing like school shootings, you know, all of that stuff was like, oh my god! And now you see, and it's like, oh wow, that happened again. Another one. There's oh. a point where literally there was a school shooting at the early part of the year. It was like one for every day of the school year mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year for like up through February. There was a school shooting. They just weren't reporting them all, but there was one for every day then. And remember, there are school breaks. So they were taking breakfast and like, I can't shoot the school up today. We're off, but you know, on 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 Tuesday. But on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just uh it's been a lot. So let's prepare for eight months of January and eight months of January. <laughs> How does that work? You know, it always seems like, you know, it's like January yeah. is January for forever and then 
it's June, and then it's Thanksgiving, and then it's January again. Because it's the holiday hangover, and it just, just drags. It just it 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 flies. It the end of the year just flies by, and so it yeah. does. It does. Like one, once we start getting like work holidays back into the mix or whatever, people start scheduling their calendars differently, whatever, start taking leave. And like, you're like, well, fuck this year. We, we about done with this right here. So like, you start getting stuff like, you know, Thanksgiving racked up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking the day off after Thanksgiving, whatever shit. You know what? I'm not going to just come in Thanksgiving week. How about that? I'm just going to be off. I'm just going to take a long week. And then, you know, Christmas is a wrap. Like, people ain't really working right now. It's, it's not, I feel like nothing not. important gets done. From the week before Thanksgiving, through probably to about you know the like second, Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, I tell you, the federal government well, no, kind of goes into hibernation, like, like from like well, late well, yeah, November like, through back, like February, because they don't right, consider like, resolution. They don't even have funding for half their shit. Well, <laughs> Real you know, tough. We, we gonna we gonna shut the government down and be proud of it. So you know. Okay. Give us the wall. Yeah, yeah. That's yo. If the if the I will say this: if the Democrats. Like bitch up and actually give one dime to this that tyrant's fucking demands. Does that sound anything like the Democrats to you? That's why the I Repu- said it. The That's why I said it. If they, if they the bitch up, man, come on. But the Republicans don't even want to get five billion dollars for the wall. Nobody's got the votes for this. I mean, everybody's looking at him like, "Are you kidding us?" Like, you want to stop the I think world? Mitch McConnell will back it because Mitch McConnell's just been like, you know, Mitch McConnell is a fucking soft ass testicle. You. He actually has a scrotum for a neck, if you've not noticed. You know, he had a turtle face and a scrotum Duh. neck. Yeah, yeah. Duh. yeah. <laughs> His little old ball sack waddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch McConnell definitely, he's one of the most troubling politicians that I've ever seen. And not not because of his hideous physical appearance. Um, his, he also has no top lip. Yeah, his hideously comical physical appearance. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that if you see, if you like listen to Mitch McConnell in an actual interview, not doing like a press thing or, you know, not speaking after some litigation got, uh, I'm sorry, some uh, law got voted on or passed legislation is what I mean. Um, when you listen to him in interviews, like he is a highly intelligent man with a lot of common sense. When you hear him speak, but he like still supports these ridiculous, asinine policies, and he still supports policies that have been uh, empirically proven to be ineffective uh, throughout many decades, and he still supports them. And so he troubles me because when I think about that, when I think about the fact that he's not a dummy, he's intelligent and he still thinks what he thinks and believes what he believes. And you think of how many of them there are. Not the people who are uneducated. You know, of course, there are uh-huh. millions and millions of people of un- who are uneducated. I'm talking about the people who have successfully mm-hmm. mounted campaigns and gotten elected uh, to be the purveyors of law in this com- in this country. Excuse me. Um, I guess that was a Freudian slip. Um, but... <laughs> They're high. They're intelligent. They're not dumb. And Ted Cruz, I heard, is a very, very smart man. He's very smart. Yeah. Man. I think very that's smart more man. troubling yeah, yeah. than dummies oh, making bad I, I, decisions. Dude, I'm not convincing my. Or yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Orange Orange had, but he's been working the system for a minute. Them pharmaceuticals, he's been getting all that kickback but he, money. But, but he's smart. He's well educated. And then they actually had to walk back that like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have said it doesn't matter that Trump is a criminal. It's like they so invested in their way of life 
because the reality is, let's be honest, you know what I'm saying? Conservatism means you're trying to preserve something, you know what I'm saying? And what they're trying to preserve, you know what I'm saying, is, you know, like old, good old boy networks, which is racism and sexism and all kinds of exploitation of labor. And it's like they're, they're so dedicated to it that they just cannot, smart, intelligent people cannot stop themselves from saying like absolutely dumb fuck shit because like, Racism. Well, this is what my party says. Right, right. Because racism, because sexism, because I like being a white man in charge of people. Yeah, so. Just a good old boy. So, <laughs> so, just some takeaways for, for listeners. What I would challenge you to do um, when you jump out there uh, for the new year, um, one is to, one, take care of your physical and your mental well-being, but also when you're having conversation, yeah, indeed, when you're having conversation with people, um, you know, try to consider the idea of challenging uh, the notion that um, the conversation has to remain in a small circle and also challenge the idea that, hey, maybe... Just maybe you would want to like just say like uh, like let's stop treating politics like a religion. It's like it's, mm-hmm. it's not that deep. Like like really stop like dying on the cross for it just because you're a Republican. Because like there is no, I mean you should have some moral like accountability when you're when you're when you're talking about the decisions you make as a voter. But your 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 faith and your your political party are not one and the same. And if you, but, but, if you believe that, you're lying to yourself. But see, the bigger problem to me is that it's not even that your political party is a religion. It's that America is the religion. It's that too. People have said for a very long time, the two things you don't talk about is politics and religion. And I think there are two more. The politics of religion and the religion of politics. Mm-hmm. And right now we're going to talk also about the politics of food because she's hungry. So thank you all. She's hungry. <laughs> she's hungry. Thank you for joining us for the wrap up. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, we will see you again in the Very longest well, month of the year, every year. Um, yeah, go forth and prosper. Love yourselves, love each other. Yeah, stay blessed. Making a way the only way to know how. Can we call it January winter? I don't, I don't care. I don't think January has feelings about it. Huh? I like it. Okay. What has happened? It's been a really crunchy 2018. It has. <laughs> okay. Right. Peace okay. out. Stay blessed. Stay woke. Is that your line? Yeah. Sorry. Cool. I'm just it's, still on It's lines. all right. You know what? You were feeling it. Give everyone orgasms if they're of legal age and they are consenting. Yeah, give yeah. yourself an orgasm. Don't worry about other people. Yeah, right if you're now. consenting, like, you know, wait, wait till you're like sober, though, before you give yourself an orgasm. Bye. <laughs>